0: Welcome to the Eternal ROI podcast, where we share the real stories of workplace transformation. And now, here are your hosts, Will Stewart and Chris Patton. Welcome to another episode of the Eternal ROI podcast. So good to have each and every one of you listening, watching along. I'm Will Stewart, joined as always by Chris Patton, CEO of His Way at Work. Hey, Chris. How are you, Will? Doing fantastic. We have a great show today. I, I always do. say you know, I know. we start
1: off the same way every time. <laughs> we but, do, but this one is truly—it's unique. Yeah. And it's going to be a great show. We've got Joe Humphreys as our guest. He is the CEO and founder of 3C. We'll let you let him tell you a little bit more about what that is, what exactly he does, and and uh, the kind of world that he's working in right now. So, if you don't mind, let's just take a moment and bring yeah, him in.
0: Yeah, let's bring him in. Hey, Joe, how's it going?
2: Hey, gentlemen, how you doing?
0: doing well thanks for joining us on this episode
2: my pleasure
0: so 3c that there's that's some important it has there's some powerful meaning to that and I would love for uh, you just to tell our, our audience a little bit about you what you do and just uh, just let's dive into your history a little bit
2: okay great thank you 3c is very precious to me hmm. at the time that I lived in apartment 3c in the projects it wasn't as precious and there was a time in my life that I felt that Lord you have allowed me to be successful I don't want to tell anybody about 3C it's one of those things that I was embarrassed to talk about but what God did for me was he gave me an opportunity to really understand that my story was a story that was going to help and heal a lot of people and when I was thinking of leaving corporate America after 32 years in the, in executive leadership I was praying about a name of my company and God took what I was once embarrassed about to allow me to name my company 3c again that was the apartment that I lived in in the projects yeah.
0: that's incredible and so now today you have a consultancy uh, business tell us a little bit about that and, and about what you do what you do and what your day-to-day looks like
2: Yes, sir. When, when, when I got ready to leave Corporate America, definitely a lot of prayer went into that with my wife. I have an amazing wife, Janet, of 33 years. And we prayed and we developed a plan. And the goal was just to bring hope to people and to share my story. And what I realized as being an executive was that it's a lonely place. And often you don't have a safe place to go. And that was a situation where I often found myself was I didn't have a safety net. Uh, if i talked to people that reported to me, it would seem a little bit in, unprofessional. If I talked to people above me, then I'm not sure that they would be uh, probably be in a position where they'd be ready to send me to get counseling. <laughs> so it, it's just a lonely place. And so what I want to do is be that support for executives that just don't have nowhere to go. Because again, the higher you go in in corporate America, the lonely you become. And I think it's just important for your overall health just to have somebody that you can be transparent with and you can trust.
0: Hmm. We talked to a, a CEO uh, in another episode, uh, Mark White. He was talking about just kind of that whole thing of just being lonely, you know. And there's a there's a loneliness I think that a lot of CEOs uh, feel. And so um, I think you're absolutely right. W- besides seeking counseling, what are, what are things that CEOs who they feel like, you know, I'm, you know I might be losing it or I just need to, I just, the pressure is getting too much. I need help. What are some things that they can do to just kind of stay healthy?
2: Well, I think the, the biggest thing that CEOs have problem with is we're able to run a company, but then the challenge is running our families and mm-hmm. being balanced. And I think that what I experienced was coming from the projects, I had an attitude as failure wasn't an option. So I worked and worked and worked to the point where at times, uh, I even worked to try to please my father who never uh, validated me. And even when he had passed and was dead, my goal was to work and prove him wrong. So with you may be a CEO that may not have experienced Uh, confirmation from your father, but you're working for some reason. And I think it's important to understand that reason why you're working so hard. And also, I think that you have to have accountability, accountability partner. So often when we are at the top, there's nobody to keep us accountable. Mm -hmm. So it's easier for a guy like me that's walked in those shoes to come and be your accountability partner, because what I've Realize it's, it's almost like when you have your children, your children are listening to somebody else's parents, <laughs> where a CEO generally won't listen to nobody inside of his corporation or she. They will listen to the person that maybe that have left corporate America and understand some of the pain that they're going through. Mm-hmm. And where, again, it's all about being a safe environment for these executives.
1: Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Tell me a little bit about Joe about what it was you did in corporate America leading up to your exit you said you were in corporate America 30 was it 32 years 32 years so you must so, have had some experience there
2: yes sir yes sir uh, I worked for an automotive company my first eight years and I was part of the troubleshooter division where whenever they bought a, a, a operation I was part of that team that go in and you know, basically go through the books and go through the operation, see how we can improve the cost. In some cases, we will sell the operation. In some cases, we will keep the company. And so early on in my marriage, my wife, we moved three times within like three and a half years. And then I went on to go work for a publishing company. And my whole career have been in supply chain, logistics, uh, operations, manufactory, and here, here's the thing. I, I never desire to get in this type of business. All I did was go to work, and I worked hard, and I was going to school at night at the time, hmm. and I can tell you that working hard is still the way hmm. to, to earn promotions and to go where you need to go. Hmm. I know that that may seem a little old fashioned to a lot of people these days, but I still think that I was blessed to have a mother that taught me whatever you do, do unto God and work unto God. So I didn't look at my superior as who I was really working for. I respected them and I, but I felt like I was working unto God. And if I pleased God, I knew that I would please whoever my superior was. And, you know, I just think that being in a position and going through the process, a lot of times people want to they want to miss the, the process step, but I'm so fortunate and so happy that I actually started at the bottom and worked all the way up to the top, which gave me an opportunity to appreciate the employees that was working with me. And I don't say working for me, we was working together as a team. And I think that I could relate well with them because I once been in their shoes and I and and I and I feel like I motivated them as well to see that, you know, here was a guy, you know, when he first started out unloading trucks, shoving the snow off the sidewalk to sitting in an office with, you know, everybody, you know, when you when you was younger, the attitude was, let's get an office with a glass window. But, you know, we got that. Then what? So those are the things I've done. I've been able to travel pretty much all over the world and to basically the last part of my career was basically crisis management where, you know, it was always a crisis and the bigger the company, especially when you work for a global company, it's all kind of things going on. So my role was to try to put the fire out (laughs) and, you know, that will aid you as well. That's tough work. That's tough work.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So now that you've stepped out and you're doing consulting, you're working with other executives, CEOs, Um, give us a sense of some of the projects or some of the works that you're doing uh, that draws on what you've done in the past. What are you working on right now that might be interesting?
2: Well, I'll tell you, with the state of the unrest with racism, A lot of the executives that I have spoken with is just saying, hey, Joe, I don't have a clue what to do Mm -hmm. and I don't know how to do it. So everything that I had on my agenda prior COVID-19 and this unrest and the racism, I call them the two Vs, violence and racism Mm -hmm. and, and, and the virus. And, and, and I tell you that the challenge is, I'm so happy that there's a lot of CEOs are reaching out saying, Joe, I just don't know how to deal with it. Uh, what should I do? And so right now, Chris, my time is just pretty much overwhelmed with, if, if it's just a phone call, talking to CEOs, and at times I go in their facility and, you know, we could get in that now, a little later, however you want to do that. Mm-hmm. but. Uh, that that's what I'm working on currently.
1: Excellent. So you've, you've described how they're asking you the question, what do I do? I don't even know how to respond. Yes. What are some of the biggest issues, specific issues, give an example of something. What are some of the biggest issues relating to race that these CEOs are running into? Is it, is it around leadership team? Is it around, uh, entry-level employees is around the, the communication between those. What what exactly are they dealing with that you're seeing? And then how are you advising them to approach it, right? So s- the listeners yes. on uh, right now are at various levels of running a business or even own a business, and they're asking some of the same questions, but they don't have your phone number. So <laughs> what are, you give us some examples of what you're seeing and what you're advising so that we can have – some way to approach it uh, as we go into our jobs tomorrow?
2: Yes, sir. So, so Chris, that's a really good question. And the calls that I'm receiving is very simple. Joe, what do we do and how we do it? And the first question I ask is, what have you done? And surprisingly, in most cases, it's either nothing or very little. And that's not because the CEO don't care, With this unrest of racism, it has paralyzed a lot of the leaders from making any decision because of the potential backlash. Mm -hmm. So one of the advices that I give the CEO is just bring together a group of people, have a conversation, perhaps, you know, definitely get HR involved. And even if you mess up, you're trying. And, and so okay What does to mess up look sorry. like? What does mess up look like, Joe? I mean what... well, well, you know what? Mess up can potentially be that well, it's a big mess up when you don't address it. Okay. And then when you just walk and ignore it. That's a big mess up. But the challenge is what do you say and how you say it? And as you mentioned earlier, if you're a person that's that's in a executive CEO role and you're not of color, I think it's really um, good if you bring in the right person of color that's going to come in and support the right things. Mm-hmm. And I and the reason why I said the right person is that you don't want to bring someone in that's going to disrupt your workplace even further. Mm-hmm. And I believe that when you bring in somebody that's of color and you allow them to facilitate the meeting, it gives the CEO and the company credibility that they wouldn't have and it eliminates the the, the 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 reason you don't know how we feel you don't know what we're going through so mm-hmm. that's a thing that's a benefit by bringing somebody in a color but when you ignore the elephant in the room you're losing credibility and, and mm-hmm. some of the things that you could you could just tell the people is that I don't know what to say how to say it I know there's a problem what can we do But here's the good news for CEOs. If you already been practicing respect and integrity and character, then your problem shouldn't be as big. Mm -hmm. You should have history and relationships with your uh, employees to the point where I'm not going to say it's business as usual, but it's a less of a disruption Mm -hmm. for the company. Now, Here's, here's, here's a thing that I want to caution every CEO of. There is a potential, a real potential, that if you overdo this and you don't have balance, you're gonna create a bigger problem in your organization. And what do I mean about that? Well, if you're over having all these special meetings for, uh, black, for your black employees, but then you have other races that's in your organization it's kind of like having a child too much attention to one child is going to create a problem for another child. Mm-hmm. So you have to have balance. And, but the good news is if you're a CEO, that have been practicing a healthy culture, culture in your organization, and you have been following your policies and making sure that it's respect for everybody. Then at the end of the day, if you hire the right people, and if you've hired the right people, it's gonna you're gonna know that with what's going on in this world today.
1: That's good. So, what are some some very basic recommendations you would make? So, let's say the CEO or business leader uh, of a certain team has gotten the team together and has said exactly as you've mentioned, they've either done it themselves or brought somebody in to uh, to facilitate. And they've heard some concerns. They've heard uh, certain issues or things that they didn't even realize they were overlooking. What are the next steps? I mean, I know it sounds pretty simple a question. Just do what you, you heard. But like you said, you don't want to go too far. What are, the, what are right. the best practices, I guess I would say? What are the best practices for follow-through? What does that look like? What kind of reporting back, measuring, those kind of things? Give us some, some examples there.
2: And I think it's important not to get too sophisticated with this. I think right. that this is where you want to keep it really simple. I think that if, if you know the temperature of your organization and you're hearing the noise, you need to bring people together. And it may be that you bring everybody together and say, hey, look, we all have witnessed the unrest with racism. I want to reiterate the importance of me as the leader, and, and everyone in leadership, we our goal is to respect everybody, mm. but that includes you as well. So everybody have a part in this and everybody have a piece in this. And I think that sometimes it's just a quick, unthreatful meeting, just telling your employees that, hey, we're one team here, we're a family. Now that's gonna be hard to do if you hadn't been one team in a family. And if that's the case, and unfortunately, I've had some conversation with CEOs with that as well, and you have to go clean, and this is where you, you, you have to be real careful as well. Because you don't want to start saying, well, we've been treating everybody wrong and, and bad, but you want to say, hey, we know that we have taken an inventory and we have opportunities to improve the relations around here. And here's what we're going to do. And then you list some things, but you don't want to over promise and underdeliver. deliver. You want to be able to, the, to measure about two or three things and say, okay, here's the things we're going to do. And for each company that can look different. But again, if you're a company that have been promoting good character, good integrity, then I think it's just a simple quick meeting of bringing a guy in like me or somebody and just help you facilitate it. But if you're a company that you know that you have some, some problems and it's just not noise, I think that you have to be prepared. It's easier for you to tell the, the team the problems than for them to tell you. Because hmm. if they tell you, you're not going to have enough paper and ink to write them down. And so you might want to go in and tell them the problems. And I think it's, it shows a level of humility, too, when you say, hey, I can't tell you how many times in my 32 years that I had to tell my team, hey, I missed it. I'm sorry. I, I thought that I just missed it. I can tell you, saying you sorry and saying it quickly with sincerity, it can fix a lot of things. I've seen leaders in my Experience that refused to say they were sorry and acknowledged that it was a problem and it killed their career. So I think that if you're in an organization that have had some challenges with unhealthy culture in your company, that you have to stand up and say, I own it, it's on me, but moving forward, I want you to start, you know, monitoring my performance like I monitor your performance because we're in this together. And again, I just want to elaborate On this one last time You have to be careful With balance mm-hmm. Because if you start catering To one particular race You're going to eventually Cause yourself to have some problems mm-hmm. And you don't want that
1: That's good
0: That's so powerful You're talking about uh, developing a, a healthy culture and in a company you know a lot of times like like you said there's there's two takeaways really from this first is have a good company you know a company that loves people equally yes. and 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 then second is is communicate quickly and and you know yes. talk to them and don't overthink it <laughs> you know just talk about it yes. um any, any ideas come to mind about about developing that healthy culture? You know, what does that healthy culture look like? And that's a lot of what we talk about even in this podcast of a caring yes. culture, a culture that, that, that works for the employees.
2: Well, I'm reminded of you can't be a shepherd unless you spend time with the sheep. Hmm. You can't be a leader unless you're leading somebody. So often leaders, they are sitting in the corner office and they have the, the highest level position. But they're not leading nobody Mm. i think that you have to be intentional and i think when you change a culture well i know i don't think i know you don't change it from the bottom up you change it from the top down Mm. and to do that you have to be intentional to put some time where if you're in a manufacturing environment you have to spend time on the floor you have to talk to people you have to listen to people And, and you know one of the most frustrating things that I've ever experienced in my 32 years was, as I've grown with the organizations, I had more people reporting to me. So I lost some level of intimacy where I knew everybody's name. Mm-hmm. But even if I didn't know the person's name that was running a piece of equipment, I try to remember something about that person. I knew that they love Mustangs or either their son played baseball. And I can tell you, just walking up to that person... Even if you don't know their name and say, hey, how's it coming with the Mustang? Man, it develops a a team environment and it just, it it, it lets people know that you care about them outside of work. So again, a healthy culture is gonna have to start with the top. Mm -hmm. So often we try to do a a, a change from the bottom up. It don't work. Mm -hmm. And you have to have everybody on your team that's willing to do this. And I can tell you, uh, as an executive, you got to make some tough decisions on who's going to be on your team moving forward to get there. Uh, So often I hear younger people saying, I really want to be a leader. I I want to do the things that you've done. Well, anybody say that leadership is easy haven't really experienced true leadership. Mm -hmm. Leadership is very difficult. It's lonely. It, it it's very stressful. And it's not it's nothing easy about leadership. And you don't get a day off. You know, an athlete playing an NBA may get a day off, uh, NFL, um, but you don't get a day off. What you do on the weekend when you leave that organization will be waiting on you in the parking lot Monday morning. And once you, you lose your character and your integrity, you don't have the ability to influence no more. And if you can't influence nobody then you're not going to be successful mm. it comes down to being able to influence and that's a that's in a quick conversation of a healthy culture of a company mm. you have to get out there and you and you got and you have to listen and, and and let me just warn some of the leaders that haven't done that before be prepared to hear some negative things Be prepared for some of your employees to look at you and go, what are you doing out here? You have to just work through that. And you have to have show humility to say, hey, I know I haven't been out here. And, and, you know, I'm kind of surprised myself. But you know what? I want you to hold me accountable. Every Wednesday after lunch, I'm going to come by and see you. And I'm going to see how you're doing. And when you can't make it, because there'll be a Wednesday that you can't make it. You better get out there the next day and say, hey, I miss Wednesday, but this is where I was at. And man, I miss talking to you. Mm-hmm. That's how you create a team.
1: It's consistent behavior over time, right?
2: Yes. It's it's, it's not an easy fix. It's not an easy fix. You mm-hmm. you don't build muscles overnight and you don't lose weight overnight. And you're not gonna change a culture overnight. Right. But you got to state the course. And, and and but consistency. When, when your organization and the people in your organization see you being consistent, I'm telling you, it's going to be contagious. And then you're going to start hiring better. And I tell you, when you know you got a healthy organization, it's when people come to you and say, Hey, I know you just hired this person, but they're not good for our organization. Here's the reason why we can't tolerate that. Mm. They start taking ownership.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. Um, Through this whole thing, I've seen my background's branding and marketing, so I've been looking closely at how companies have been branding themselves, and some feel like in their marketing they're genuine, you know, and they're actually caring, Um, and then some seem like, well, this is just an opportunity. We're going to take this unrest and we're going to use it to sell another shoe, another t-shirt, you know, another product. have you noticed that? And kind of speak to that a little bit about what people should do to, to make sure they're they're real as they're talking to the, to the public.
2: I think that there's a lot of organizations out there as an opportunity instead of wanting to impact what I call real change. Hmm. It, it's the easy way out to take advantage of an opportunity and sell another t-shirt, a pair of tennis shoes, as you mentioned. But I think that the companies that really care about their employees, I think that you'll see the long-term commitment. Uh, a short e- emotion's only going to run so long. You know, it's almost like on a Sunday morning you're hearing a good sermon, but by the time you get to brunch, you don't even know what the preacher preached about. <laughs> and that's unfortunately uh, what a lot of companies are doing. But real change, you rem- you'll you remember real change. I remember things that mentors have told me years ago, and it has and it, helped enhance my ability to make real change, but something emotional. So again, I think that real change, is it's, it's not easy. Hmm. Yeah. Emotional hype is easy, but real change is hard. So I wanna tell that CEO out there, if you sign up to change the culture, it's gonna take time but it's worth
0: it. Yeah, that's incredible. This has been great. This has mm-hmm. been uh, just a, a great conversation. Joe, I appreciate your, your generosity. We typically end with some some quick-fire questions for you. Okay. Um, uh, what's a, a time management hack that, that you've, you employ? I know you've been a busy guy. You have a lot of people that you're talking to. How do you manage your time?
2: Well, every morning... I'm kind I don't want to say I'm OCD, but my wife and daughter would probably say that I am, but I, it's not healthy to be that. But every morning and every night before I lead up, when, when I was in the sea, I left, and I still do it today. I review what's important and what have to be done. Mm-hmm. And the next morning I just review it again. And I think that one of the things that I've learned is that I inspect what I expect. Mm-hmm. So if I, give some goals out to uh, a a direct report, then eventually I'm going to inspect it. But also I use those same tools for myself. And I try to keep it simple because it's complicated enough trying to run an organization. So I just use Outlook and just do the to-do list. And I like seeing the check through it. But I think that what I've learned is that the higher I was going in the organization, the more, I was forgetting things, right. and it's easy because you can have good intentions, but you walk out the door, and sometimes you get hit by ten people. So yeah. I try to keep notes and try to mark them off. But at the same time, I've learned how realistic goals.
0: Hmm. Yeah. what's the top in managing realistic goals? Is so huge. It's just like having, making sure you have those. You don't get too much, and that's my that's my problem. I, I do that a lot. Where I'll just yes. I'll just put too much on my plate. What's a, uh, what's a top resource or book that, that, uh, that you, you recommend?
2: Uh, believe it or not, it's a pretty simple book. It's, it's called Listen Up Leaders by David Cruchel. And it's only about 40 pages. And I've read all kinds of books, you know, Jack Welch, uh, Jim Collins, John Maxwell, the list goes on. And this book has 40 pages. It's a paperback. And every January... Um, I will have all of my direct reports in the conference room. We'll have a cup of coffee, and we'll just go through that book. We'll, we'll, it's, it's about an hour. Why is that book so good? Because it steps on my toes. Mm-hmm. In some cases, it breaks my toes. Because there's things in that book like you can't be gossiping about people. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so easy to pull somebody in your office because you're lonely, and, and you and you want to go, Will, you want to say, hey, i want to tell you this because I need to share about. But if you telling somebody else that problem, they're going to look at you across that desk and go, well, if Joe's going to say that about him, he'll say it about me. Mm-hmm. So it's things like that in the book that really challenged me to be a better leader. And it challenged my team to be a better leader. And again, it's Listen Up Leader. Great book. Go I,
1: I got to jump in on this one. So, that's a fantastic book that you've read in the past. Is there any other book that might be coming out anytime soon that you might know about that would be a real good one to recommend?
2: I do. I think what from the projects to the boardroom, it's going to be a great book. From and the projects to the boardroom. Yes. From the projects to the boardroom. Who's the author of that book? That author of that book is yours truly, Joe Humphreys. <laughs> and I tell you, uh, Every time I have been working with the publisher and reading that book, it had brought tears to my eyes because it takes me back about a little boy sitting on the steps, dreaming that one day he can get out the projects. And something that I learned last year, my mama, she just turned 89, but she, when she was 88, she told me, she said, son, when you was sitting on the steps dreaming, I was looking through the window praying for you to get out the projects. Mm. And it's just a story about my journey from the projects to the boardroom. And that's coming out in December.
1: Fantastic.
0: That's great. And when can, where can people find it? I assume Amazon, all the other, all the typical yes, suspects.
2: Sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Send me an email. And we're going to have a pre-celebration. And, you know, I just think that it's going to be a book that you want to put in your bookshelf. And I think it's going to encourage people. It talks about hope. And it's a big section in there about forgiveness, because I went through a long time, even after my father had died, with just not willing to forgive him for the pain. And I tell you, you know, God really done something special in me when I was able to forgive and let that go.
0: Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Thank you, for,
1: thank you for telling us about that one. Yeah, yeah, sir. I, can't,
0: I can't wait to read it. What's, uh, what's one piece of advice that you wish someone had given you 10 years ago?
2: Don't be so hard on yourself. Hmm. Learn from what mistakes that you made and move on. Hmm.
0: That's good. Uh, and, and last question, uh, what's, what's the big takeaway from the day? What do you think people should, after listening to this episode, what do you think they should, g- should go away with this, this conversation with?
2: I believe that for a company to be healthy, you have to have a healthy community. Hmm. So I wanna encourage every CEO get involved in the community, you know, give opportunities for your employees to volunteer. I tell you what, when you start getting involved in the community and when the employee that's running the machine in the plant is out there shaving flowers for uh, a house, or either down grilling burgers for the homeless, and they see that CEO roll up his sleeve, it's going to be a different uh, environment when you go back to work on Monday. Mm. So again, I think it's critical if you want a healthy company, you have to have a healthy community to get involved in the community.
0: That's great. That's fantastic. Joe, it's been great chatting with you. I really appreciate your time. If people want to reach out and find you and, and talk to you, maybe uh, hire you for something, what should they do?
2: Yes, sir. Just send me an email at joe3 at 3 cleadcom That's Joe, the number three, the letter C, L-E-A-D.com. I love to hear from you and I'm I'm just excited for the opportunity to be just a help for people. Uh, and I, I appreciate you gentlemen having me part of this interview today, this podcast. Our,
0: our pleasure. It was it was fantastic and I, I really appreciate you taking the time.
2: Thank you, Joe. Hope you Thank have you. a great day. You too, gentlemen. Take care.
1: Thank you for listening. Hope you found some value in today's discussion. If you're inspired and you'd like to learn more. His Way at Work has a number of resources and tools for you. Just check us out at hwaw.com. If you're new here and you'd like to check out more episodes, just go to Facebook or to any podcast platform and make sure to subscribe there. Or if you know somebody that might find value in what we're talking about, feel free to share with them and point them in our direction. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.